0: What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 153 of The VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Cannell, The VK Bros themselves. How are you going, Al?
1: I'm very good this morning.
0: I'm That's good. good. We are recording this but it's morning. It's a morning. Yeah, it's a Saturday morning for, for a bit of a change. You can probably see a little bit yeah. more light available uh, in my house, which is nice. Uh, We've got heaps to go through today, guys. Uh, lots and lots going on. A few of the subjects that we're going to be getting into a little bit later are um a new vaccine batch analysis study that's come out of was it denmark i believe um also we we're going to cover what's going on in france there's there's a little bit more that's going on over there than i think people are being led to believe at the moment so we'll get into that i want to talk about uh, meta officially launching threads there's some interesting things about that as well uh but i want to start off with a couple of quick little things from me uh, one of the first things I wanted to mention was I, I had mentioned a few weeks ago about the COVID vaccine injury class action currently going on in Queensland. And I said that I'd be giving you guys some updates on that uh, as it goes through. And I've actually been liaising with the person who's running uh, the entire class action. And we funnily enough, we've, we've been put on the media list. So we are officially <laughs> media.
2: Not, Not mainstream
0: media. We're gonna need a new word for MSN, like an nMSN, not mainstream media. Um, and it's actually pretty exciting because on today, so July tenth, which is when this will drop on Monday, um, the so the case management hearing actually begins on today, so on Monday. Uh, she said, I suspect the respondents will make every effort to quash the action and prevent discovery orders. And as we've know, uh, noted many times in the past few months, how important discovery orders are when things go to trial. That's why, for example, you know Fox uh, settled for almost a billion dollars with Dominion because they didn't want to go to discovery. Um, so they're expecting, uh, yeah, the respondents who are, don't forget, the government- John Skerritt, Brendan Murphy. Uh, They're expecting they won't want to go to Discovery, uh, so they're expecting quite a skirmish. He's also going to send me through on Monday or Tuesday the media release uh, so we can keep you guys updated with what's happening in that class action. So, uh, Dr. Mel, we are rooting for you over here at the VK Bros. I'm sure our audience is as well. Uh, Stay tuned. Good work to to you
1: too, Jason. Good investigative reporting. That's That's it. That's what we do.
0: That's what we do. So it's exciting. That's what we do now. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, look, it, this is really important. This is a really, really important case. And uh, especially, you know, for the victims, obviously, there's more than 500 victims who have signed up for this class action. But for the country on a whole, this is extremely important. So yeah. uh, if you... If well, I want to say this person-
1: is what we, we, what we predicted last year, or no, no, be two years ago now. We had said this on the show where we knew what... The right thing was. We knew yep. what the what the laws were. We knew what, like, that a mandate was not a law. We knew that there was going to be studies coming out proving what we were told was wrong, and yep. that there was going to be massive opportunity for litigation in the future. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the steps in that.
0: That's right. So, and this this may, if if this is successful, the you know this is the damn wall that will break, and all yep. those other cases will come afterwards. Um, and reach
1: out. you're one of the people affected affected by mandates and, and or uh, adverse events. Like, reach out to a lawyer.
0: Yeah, and hey, at the end of the day, whether you were pro-vax, anti-vax, doesn't matter. These mm. those mandates should never have been put in place in the first place, ever. And mm. whether you agreed with it at the time or not, the fact is, it should never happen again. So this action needs to happen yeah. to ensure that we continue with our rights moving into the future. Um, something that is a little bit relevant to this, but also just relevant in, in, in so many facets of life. I put up a clip during the week from Ice Cube on the Joe Rogan experience, and I just wanted to provide a bit of context around it. So if you haven't seen it, uh, go jump on our socials, it's a very short clip, but in essence, what he, what he speaks about is how it is so important for people to have the strength to stand up for themselves when whatever the thing is, is going on. It's not after the fact, while it's happening. And what he was actually speaking about for that to come up was uh, he was part of uh, one of the founding members of NWA back in the 90s. And back then, there was censorship around his freedom of speech. They were trying to get these guys banned because of you know their, their uh, violent rhetoric towards police, etc., etc. Um, but the thing is, rap... For all you young kids, rap back in the '90s, 80s and 90s actually meant something because there was real stuff going on that they were talking about, whereas rap today is probably not really the same same sort of level. A lot of it's just made-up stuff. Um, but these guys were speaking about real social issues back in the day, so guys like NWA or, or Tupac or whatever... So their freedom of speech was actually really, really important. And him and his crew stood up during that time for their freedom of speech. They were getting threats to be arrested um, if they performed in certain states and all that sort of stuff. And he for said... For words. Yeah, for, for words, words. For words. And that that is so relevant that you said that, because I was going to segue through to my next part about this. And the reason why it, it really sort of spoke to me at the time is not only the COVID stuff, but... I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old son who it goes to kindy, and they're at an age now where a lot of, like, bullying behaviour is starting to begin. And it's really interesting because our society, especially in Australia and in the West, we try to pretend that if you do anti-bullying campaigns, that bullying will go away. Bullying will never go away. That is, that is make-believe. To me, it is more important to try to teach your kids to be resilient so they can handle the bullying, which is naturally going to come uh, into their lives at some stage. And if you're one of those adults sort of screwing your nose up right now, going, no, that's not it. We should be teaching these people to be good people. Well, we all got bullied by our government the last three years. So if you think it's just kids that get bullied, no, no, no. The whole country got bullied. The whole Western world got bullied over the last three years, right? So teaching kids resilience is so important. And I, I thought about that clip from Ice Cube and about standing up and standing up at the time. And I know my life has been punctuated by certain events where I stood up in a time that it may not have been required, but I had the opportunity to either stand up or not. And I chose to stand up. And that has turned me into the person that I am today. And I'm very thankful for the uh, inner strength to be able to stand up when there's not only something bad and injustice happening to me, but stand up for friends or family or whatever the case may be. And it really made me think that standing up for yourself is a habit. Just like everything, it's a habit. And just as standing up for yourself is a habit, not standing up for yourself is a habit too. So I just want to start off by the show, just by saying, like, have a bit of a reality check in your mind. Think about times when you kind of either stood up or, or didn't. And then go back and think about other times, and and try to figure out: is my natural sense of, is my natural reaction to these things, to stand up for myself or to be submissive and not stand up for myself? And you might need to try to check those behaviours.
1: Yeah, look, it's interesting you say that. I would also, this is something I was going to bring at the end of the show, but it kind of fits in now. It's also the hard thing to do. Standing up is the hard thing to do, mm-hmm. and that's why most people don't do it. because it creates friction. It means that you have to have a conversation that you didn't want to have. But those are the reasons why you should have those conversations. And if you start flexing that muscle or maybe that's the wrong terminology, but if you start using that neural pathway, working that neural pathway about, uh, having a robust conversation and trying to get the truth out there or trying to at least get your point across so that like to other people so that you can, you can converse on real ideas. Yeah. Now, I had an example of this, and I've actually I played a little social experiment. I don't know if we spoke about in the last show about the German weightlifter or the that German physique model. Oh no, we did. not Who died? Died at 30 years old.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Joe Joe Sthetics, I think is his name. YouTube handle. Yeah. Now, so 30 year old, absolutely ripped, gym junkie dude, just died, like suddenly. I think a yeah. week ago.
1: So I kind of sent – there was that article, but then there was also a clip from him speaking on a podcast. Yeah. So I sent the two things to lots of people in my network. Yep. And all of them came back with the same thing, which I found really interesting, which was uh, – now, okay, sorry, the, 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 the article was about his death – which everyone goes, it was, it's clearly the steroids. Like we all know that steroids uh, kill people. So it's clearly the steroids. Yeah.
0: That was when I first heard about the story, you know, you think 30 year old gym junkie who looks like that, that's the easy thing to be mind to That's where
1: everyone gravitates. Okay. Yeah. So that's that neural pathway. We have an inbuilt neural pathway that leads us to that. Okay. Yeah. Now the question is why? The, the second clip that I sent everyone is him talking on a podcast. Now it's obviously like a gym type podcast. And he's talking about his COVID vaccines, that he had four COVID vaccines and he got he got his blood work checked. And his doctor that got the blood work checked was hot, like alarmed with what they saw yeah. to the point where he got two blood cleansing therapies done to try and turn these white and black masses, these clots that were forming inside his blood, to try and get them out. That was after the vaccines. Now... The social, the the strange thing was everyone replied with the same thing, which was, we don't know it was a vaccine. We Mm. don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then I'm like,
1: then what is it? Yeah. Now, I had had other conversations with friends too about uh, talking about my perception, how I find it strange that we've become so captured that our neural pathways are programmed to defend this institution. Yeah without any reason, any logic whatsoever, except from what we hear. We've just heard it, so we say it, we repeat it, and we'll defend it.
0: We the find crazy. The most effective part of it though is people aren't actually defending the institution. They're defending the decision that they made. That they thought they made with their own free will. That's why they're defending it so hard. It's interesting, I I, I heard another clip, I can't remember what it was on. It might have been no agenda. And it's sorta of relevant and they were talking about how the parents of young children who are now transitioning mm-hmm. they are going to have to believe that they made the right decision yeah. for the rest of their lives yeah. otherwise they they they've literally harmed their own kids because if you if they ever change their mind on that they've harmed their kids which is like the worst thing that you can think of doing as a parent so and that's
1: where and that's that's the lesson out of this, right? Yeah. How how can you be objective if you're not willing to admit that you did the wrong thing mm. and make sure that you don't do it in the future? It's okay to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And I in terms of the vaccination, I don't blame anyone for doing it because hundreds of millions of dollars. Yep. Massive censorship drive the only thing that you were able to see told you to do so. I get it.
0: Yeah.
1: But if you now think, deep down inside, that that was wrong, not only appreciate that, that the mistake that you made, but find out where that shortcoming was in your thought process yep. and let's work on that.
0: And if you don't think that that was wrong, it was. And you need to understand <laughs> that. And yeah. again, we're not being anti-vax. We are anti-governments forcing experimental medical procedures on their citizens... For threat of loss of liberty, loss of employment, you know, uh, unable to move freely, like that. That was all wrong. It was all wrong. So whether you agree with the vaccine or not, it was the the like you said implementation. The, the implementation was all wrong, one hundred percent. And
1: you knew it too. We all knew it when they said you can't go out a cafe. Because it's gonna spread. Like we all knew it. None of this. None of the steps made sense. Yep. And I know when I questioned these NPCs about like these things as they were happening, they just had this blank look because you hadn't even considered it. Yeah.
0: So and, so the
1: lesson is: start considering it.
0: And then you looked like an asshole when you questioned the ridiculous things. Like I remember uh, during the full swing of the like mask mandates and that sort of thing. I went to a cafe just to get a takeaway coffee in the morning before I went to work and I didn't have a mask on me. I work outside landscaper, right? I always wanted to be in and out, give my coffee, see you later. And they they wouldn't serve me. They're like, no, no, you can't, you can't come in because you don't have a mask. And I just pointed in the cafe. I'm like, look at everyone sitting down at their tables. None of them have masks on. What's the difference? And they're like, oh, no, it's the rules. So I grabbed one of the seats that was out the front, sat on it and wheeled myself over to the front counter I said, is this the rule now? Do I just want a coffee? Give me a... And they ended up giving me a coffee to get me the... stop making a scene. But, well, but I that's had the, the same
1: scenario. I had the same scenario with a bottle shop. Went to a bottle shop to take away. The place was packed, Yeah. but everyone was sitting down, no mask. And I said to the guy, I just want a full pack to leave. And he goes, yeah. where's your mask? And I'm like, I don't have it. And he's like, you have to have it. Yeah. And I said, but I don't. Can I... And I want to just take the beers and leave. Yep. And he goes, well, I can't serve you. And I'm like, okay, can you just imagine that I'm sitting down yeah, and, right. and would that make you feel better? Yep. And he's like, "No, nah, man, can't do it." So, yeah. like, it, that now that stuff is just madness. Now, when because someone said to me yesterday, "Like, oh yeah, but those were the rules." But if the rules, if you know how bullshit the rules are, and it, like we had enough, we knew that all these fines are going to get overturned. We said it. it yeah. th- they were,
0: there were no no legislation one's paid a fine behind for it. It was stuff. all yeah. It was all just threats. That's all.
1: It was absolute threats. Now,
0: yeah. Which is bullying. That's, That's exactly my point at the beginning. It was yeah. all bullying. You all got bullied into doing dumb shit that you knew was dumb yeah. at the time, but then because you did that dumb shit and you accepted it for so long, it became normalised to you.
1: Yeah. So, it's not okay to cop it.
0: No, it's, it's not. It's not okay. And that was the ironic thing, is, is during this period, like I think it was last year, Queensland brought in those really strong coercive control laws for relationships. Yeah. So ladies... Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time. Ladies typically are easier to bully into doing these things because they rate higher on the agreeableness scale. They're generally more agreeable than men, right? Now, all of the rhetoric that you have heard for five to 10 years about relationships is about not accepting these sort of coercive control behaviors from your partner, because a lot of these things can be seen as abusive knowing like wanting to know where you are at all hours of the day not letting you use your phone like all that sort of stuff that's coercive control and that's disgusting and terrible and it should absolutely be stamped out of society men should not treat women that way don't let your government treat you that way either because that's exactly what they're doing
1: do you think now i only just had this thought do you think that legislation was brought out at that time because they knew they were coercively controlling a, a society but now they can sort of subtext that theme with legislation that came out at the time. So they're like, "Yeah, we address coercive control."
0: I, honestly, I just think it was—it's like a, um, like a, what's it called? Like a bulletproof vest like you are coercively controlling someone but you're pretending that you're anti-coercive control that seems to be good enough for people to have accepted during that time i agree with you you read the headlines yeah yeah. read the
1: headlines they they address coercive control yep
0: the queensland government is against coercive control but Mm. put your mask on you can only go out of your house one hour a day for exercise take your vaccine otherwise you're not allowed to go to work like yeah i i absolutely think it was on purpose just going
1: back to the thought process thing too I'm getting tired of hearing. So when when these bad things happen to people, when people are getting sick or dying or having these adverse events, instead of, like, here's my challenge, I guess. My challenge to people is to go, if your, if your initial response is, oh, I don't think it's that, it could be anything. My challenge is try and find something that you can correlate it to because the the scientific process, right, is to adjust variables to see what outcomes are.
0: Yeah.
1: So if your response is to just go and say, it's not that. Yeah. Instead of saying, it's not that, go, oh, it could be this or it could be that. Hmm. Okay, what, what process could we go through to ascertain whether it's this thing or that thing. Yeah. You just dismissing going, oh, it's it's none of it. That's not constructive. That but, actually does nothing to the conversation. But that's
0: being programmed into people too. I've seen um, many news stories recently about how... Um, I was watching one. It was from the UK. And it was talking about the rise of heart-related deaths in the UK. They've actually got an excess death rate of 500 people per week... Above the average, dying just of heart issues, and in the article it says that whoever the the scientist or whoever is studying this phenomenon says that it is definitely not related to any sort of medical interventions, but they don't know what the cause is.
1: Yeah, yeah. So th- that's that's exactly my point. So yeah. they that the, I agree with you. They are trying to program us to do it. So my yeah. challenge to you is to say, well, what is it? Yeah, exactly. you know when they remember when all the athletes died, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, died suddenly, yep. and people were like, oh, it's the whistle. Okay, <laughs> at least at least you were flexing your brain enough to go, okay, what is it? But then you would go and say, so then my brain would go, okay, what are the whistle related deaths prior to this? Yeah, Have we right. changed the whistle? You know, and as, and as someone who has fouled there.
0: out of many games of basketball I never had a problem with the whistle <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: think you heard the whistle do <laughs>
0: sometimes I didn't <laughs>
1: now speaking of sports are we going to are we going to address the elephant in the room which one my
0: podium oh yeah go for it
1: I got a podium my first ever racing career podium Hey! So I did. I went and did a tarmac rally with skid control.
0: Yep.
1: Out at Queensland Raceway, and the tarmac rally is so they're timed events. There's only one car on. Basically, they send a car out every 20 seconds, and you do like a a, a preordained course it's mm-hmm. done at night time, which actually has a lot of challenges. One being visibility because the lights aren't great out there, especially in the middle of the track. Yep. The big one is cold tires, and for me, mm. cold brakes was a real issue. I just had new brakes put in. And I put some sort of high, high performance ones in, and I actually can't get the heat into them in a lap, which yeah, is brings in up bit too. challenges. Yeah, yeah. And um, I didn't know it was a, I didn't know it was a competition event. They told us at the debriefing, like this is a competition, and I'm like, oh, cool, you know, like I, I, I didn't realize that they're gonna tally up points. Yeah. Now, last time I did one. I think last month, and I finished in the top. Broken (sighs) to the the top ten. I think it was like ninth or something out of forty-four cars. This one, they slightly changed the circuit, kind of to negate. Last time they had two high-powered Porsche 11s out there that Mm -hmm. were just dominating, right? Because there was these very long straight sections. Yeah, okay. So they kind of got rid of those to to even even it up a bit. And anyway, I came I came third overall. And I came first in the real world drive category.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well done.
1: Yeah. That's and it was a it was a ripple app and the but I want to talk about the process, like the yeah. mental process. I had a habit of just going out and driving. Yep. But I've learned over the years that you actually need to have a thought process of what you are going to do differently and then compare and contrast to see if the result helps. Yeah. And I don't know if people do I don't know if it if, if it's a natural thing to gravitate to do that, because it wasn't for me. It definitely wasn't for me. You just like, oh I'll go and I'll try and go faster. Yeah. But what does try mean? You know? Uh so I had i will get back, check the time, okay, okay, next one I'm gonna try a harder break into this, I'm gonna try a more severe turn into that, you know, I'm gonna try in third year and so second year. Mm-hmm. And then and then my times like developed. I was like Two, I think I was like 211, 27, 205, 202, 2, 158. Like it, it just sort of progressed over the time and just yep. build upon it. And I, it's the same with um, golf. I played golf on the weekend. Uh, shout out to Robbie. I smashed him. But remember how back in though. the day... Uh, you wouldn't have come. You back in the day... <laughs> back in the day, remember how like if you had a big slice, you would aim... To us your slice. Yeah, you would Whereas, aim
0: thinking you were going to slice again instead of fixing your shot.
1: Yeah, yep. fix your shot. And yep. then if you don't... And also, like, leaving the drive, if you're not good with your driver, leaving the driver in the bag is Never not fixing that. your driving ability. Never did that. Yeah, so I, I just think it's a useful thing. And, and it can be those attitudes or they, those systems should be applied in anything that you're doing.
0: Agreed. To oh.
1: improve, you've got to have a plan. And then you've got to be able to measure it and quantify it and then implement it and then check results.
0: Absolutely. And that actually goes to the uh, a clip that I posted on my personal socials this week uh, about a guy was saying that normal is, like normalization is completely broken because there was a basketball player, his name was Rick Berry, who for his career, he shot 90% from the free throw line, but he shot everything underarm. So that's the, um, where, what's the Will Ferrell movie? The basketball movie?
1: Uh, yep, yep, it'll come to it'll me. Come it'll to come you.
0: to me. But yeah, that's where his, his, Jackie Moon's technique came from, was was Rick Berry. And so he was talking about 90% for his whole career. I think the, the career average in the NBA is about 77% at the free throw line. LeBron's like less than 80%. Uh, Michael Jordan finished his career at about 82%. This dude was at 90% shooting underarm. And there has been 2,700 NBA players drafted since Rick Berry played. And how many of those players do you think ever shot the ball underarm from the free throw line? Zero, not yeah, yeah. one. Because people care so much more about what they look like than being effective. So, Do you
1: know what that says to me? What? We need to figure out a bit of like a nice flair for underarm so like, like what if you did Underarm into like Tiger claws? Oh, tiger
0: claw. <laughs> yeah, you want to make you want to popularize it, but
1: yeah, 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 I'm bringing it back. I'm going down. I'm going after this. I'm go- taking a ball and I'm going to the court and I'm just gonna I'm gonna make Underarm because play the numbers. I got a golf lesson, and you you are this is you. But um, when I got a golf lesson, the guy said, "What grip do you use?" And at the time, I was using the baseball grip, yep. which is what you use, right? Yep. Not the interlock. And the guy goes, look, you can use baseball grip, but just understand like only 3% of PGA players use it. Mm -hmm. 95% use interlock. Yeah. So wouldn't you play the numbers? And I was like, oh yeah, I would just play the numbers.
0: Yeah. So you would just play the numbers. I would consider myself in the top 3%. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Let's go to the vaccine batch analysis study if you can bring that up. Do you want
1: the article or do you want the video?
0: Bring the video up. I think so. John Campbell uh, interviewed the one of the authors of this study recently. And I think we'll just play the beginning of it because it sort of outlines it very, very well. And then we'll go into
3: it. Well, a warm welcome to this talk. And I'm delighted to welcome uh, Dr. Vibika manika who's, who's a doctoral researcher in, in Denmark. Well,
1: It's not VB mania, like VB... <laughs> That's when I heard it first. time, I was like, because you, you heard that uh, VB did a special release for the English cricket team.
0: Yeah, England's bitter. <laughs>
1: genius love. It.
3: Genius, yeah, genius. yeah, great marketing. Welcome, Vivica. Thank you for thank, coming on.
2: Thank you very much. And thank you for being on your show. Thank you.
3: Now, we basically want to discuss your quite fascinating paper relating to different batches of the Pfizer vaccine yes and we can see the paper that we're discussing here on the on on the screen the the key thing about this paper is you've divided these vaccines uh, as i understand it into different into different um batch groups and when we look at the batch groups we see a remarkably different profile of side effects yes so up up here we've got the uh the suspected adverse reactions so is it the
1: I just, I'm just pausing it there, only because for audio listeners, yep. this this graph is shocking to yep. see, and he's going to explain it. But it, to see it in person, to see like what what these adverse events should be compared to, you know, what some of the other batches are, which yep. are bad enough, and to see the bad batch, it's horrific.
3: It's staggering. Yeah. Th- so th- the- this, this is increasing. Yeah, just continue, it's fine. Adverse reactions up uh, up here. Yes. So as as we go up, we're getting more adverse reactions. Yes. And along here we're 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 correlating the um along here we're correlating the number of vaccines per 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 dose.
2: Exactly. So
3: so if you could explain this graphic to us, Vibika, and the significance of it.
2: Well, well, the thing is it's all is officially data, so to speak. It's data which is the official data. So we've just looked at the data and, and tried to figure out if the reported side effects, because these are only the reported, which is maybe you know the top of the iceberg. So we, we looked at those and very quickly found that some batches seem to have many more reported side effects than other batches. So we made this and made a, a cluster analysis on it and you know, different statistics uh, work on it. And then we find found out that, yes, literally, some of the batches, which is actually only 4.2% of the batches, um, are associated with seven almost 71% of the uh, re- reported side effects. Which means that if literally you would usually expect that if the batches were the same, quality, the product the same or the product line, the, you know, whatever, you would expect more or less the, si- the same amount of side effects, you know, maybe a little difference but this is like a huge difference between the batches and so, you know, it's a safety signal really.
1: I think I can explain the rest because I watched another yep. uh, a subsequent video. Essentially one of the batches, uh, one of the batches was like one in one thousand severe adverse reactions, which is bad. Like it is enough to pull yeah. a product. Yep. Yeah. But one batch in particular was one in twenty. Yeah. So what she's saying is that is that four percent of the four percent of the, the, the doses
0: the batches. equated
1: the Batches equated to 70% of the adverse events, yeah. And it appears that they are the early ones. A lot of the early ones now, the data about the later adverse events is not out yet. So, mm-hmm. she, so she they, they're going to update this, they're going to keep an eye on it. And just to know, these researchers are self funded, they're only no one's giving them any money. Yep, they are doing it because they saw a signal, you know, instead of saying, Oh, it could be anything, yep. they had a look. And they were shocked to find that this, like, this is crazy. And John actually gets really emotional. He's not an emotional guy. He's very pragmatic. Mm. Very, he's usually very level.
0: His whole channel is about just he, looking at the data.
1: Yeah, but he said if he if he had seen the data that said that one in one thousand gave uh, uh, would give you a, a severe adverse reaction, he wouldn't have taken it. Mm-hmm. But to see a one in twenty, yeah, that's madness.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot more to this too. So. The the four roughly four point three percent of batches that gave the seventy seven percent of adverse events, by their data, she was saying that like she goes on to say that the majority of those batches were actually handed out early on in the pandemic, so oh sorry in the vaccine rollout, not not the pandemic to be more specific. So what what the normal reaction like you've been talking about all pod was to say is like oh well that was all the old people or the old people got the first ones. Yeah but it's not actually correct because the first doses actually went to essential frontline health workers. And I know people who got vaccinated first because they were either nurses or I knew someone doing contact tracing who got vaccinated right up front early on. And they got those, those initial doses. Now this, this leads you to a few different things to speculate on. Number one, if those doses came out early and that safety signal appeared did Pfizer freak out seeing that signal and change the formulation is that That's what my why brain went. right so is that why there has been a lowering of adverse events after the fact but secondly if you didn't because we didn't actually get to the point where she explains all the lines. There was three different colored batches, uh, batch groups on those uh, on that graph. One of them was blue. That was the most severe ones. That was the 4% doing the 77% of adverse reactions. Then there was a green one, which sort of went on a, a much lower curve. That was sort of the one in 1,000. Then there was a yellow group of batches. And those batches have been correlated with zero adverse events. Mm. Now, why is this relevant? because we covered on the podcast about, I think it might've been t- December last year or something like that. Uh, th- through some freedom of information requests in Australia, someone called leaks on Twitter, who's a mouse who sniffs out a lot of this cheese, just an anonymous account who clearly knows what they're talking about. But they put in freedom of information requests to the TGA for their batch analysis on the Pfizer doses that were given out in Australia. And, Found similar uh, similar correlations. There was four what they what he called or he or she I don't know what it is called death batches where those batches were associated with a far higher level of uh, vaccine suspected vaccine related deaths. But most interestingly for me, out of that uh, Freedom of Information request, was the fact that all of the batches that were um, specifically brought over for Pfizer Australia employees not one of those batches was tested. Oh, wow. That's the interesting part. So yeah. that means I would assume that those batches go on that yellow line that was shown on that uh, on that graph. Yeah. And I believe also those batches probably are the ones that all of the politicians who got vaccinated on camera early on received.
1: Uh, remember when on No Agenda, they spoke about how the NBA hasn't had any... Like, no one's collapsed on the NBA courts. Yeah. And they were one of the few organizations that did everything in-house. Yep. And that that was a conversation around batch number. So, yeah, it could be. could yep. be.
0: Absolutely. Wow. And look, those, those big sporting organizations in America, they've played by their own rules forever. Like, I remember when Jared Hayne from the NRL tried to go and join the NFL, and he came back speaking about it. He was like, when he was in the train-on squad, um, and he would go to get a drink at practice... And he'd see all the main players go over to their like Gatorade thing and fill their cups up and drink. And he went to get a drink and the trainer comes over and goes, no, 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 no. Like that's just for those guys. You go and have that one because that one's got all the special juice in it. Like they're all, yeah, yeah. Like they, like, no, there's no real drug testing going on, going on in those organizations, you know? Um, Yeah. Well, it depends but,
1: what your definition of a drug is uh, <laughs> and, and what yeah, what steroids are.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, is it performance enhancing or is it necessary? We think it's necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this is fascinating because obviously um, we, were, we were concerned and alarmed last year by the fact that even after the TGA did these batch analyses, one of the things that GQLeaks goes through is the fact that these death batches actually showed um, different RNA sequences because, and that you can tell they're different because they're a when, with, when it comes to protein chains the way they show protein chains is in like a um, series of, of letters and the uh, the analyses found different RNAs present in those batches because the protein chains were like there was the correct protein chains and then some incorrect ones were there as well so these could have just been faulty batches or, or whatever the case may be or different formulations. But after these analyses were done, they were still approved by the TGA to be given out. And then they're associated with a higher amount of adverse events and deaths. So this gives credence right back to the very beginning of the pandemic to a lot of the people who got censored on social media. There's a lot of nurses coming out saying that, and this wasn't in Australia, I saw a lot of stuff from overseas, but about that they were given all of these different vials with different cap colours on them and different yeah. um, numbers on the side of them that were designated for different people. So it's it's wild because we all know too, even Greg Hunt, go back to the beginning of our vaccine rollout, he said we are participating in the largest vaccine trial in history like it was a trial. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense to me if you're a Pfizer who clearly they knew in the first three months of the adverse events because that's all come out after freedom of information um, after the fact as well you know, did they just change the formulation after three months? They well, go, it, oh. I think
1: that they definitely did change the formulation, right? Because it it's weird that it reduces over time, right? Yeah. So doesn't that say that, like, something had to change? It, it, it That wouldn't naturally occur.
0: Well, that's why I brought up the old people thing. Because to most people who haven't followed this as closely as we did, they would automatically go, and I know the t- if this ever gets out to mainstream media, this is what the TV will tell you, No, it's because all the old people got the vaccines first. That's why all the major adverse events happened at the beginning. And don't forget, Alex, we count everything as an adverse event. If you got vaccinated and you walked out and got hit by a car, that would be counted as a vaccine adverse event. That's the way they'll try to spin it. But you need to understand, every frontline healthcare worker and more got the vaccines early on, and they were younger people. Mm. So, pretty wild, guys. And... All this speaks to is, you know, exactly what this COVID vaccine injury class action is about. Not one person who was given this vaccine was able to give informed consent, which is Mm. fundamental to the Nuremberg Code and our Australian vaccine handbook. But I think
1: you'll find, I think you'll find that everyone that got it signed a thing saying that they were
0: yeah but hey how many people have signed documents in the past which aren't really worth the paper they're printed on because for sure you know especially if you can prove negligence but that
1: goes to show that coercive control like so here's no data sign this thing that says that you know that there's you know you know everything
0: yep sounds like the voice
1: I got it sent to me I got it sent to me what the the thing that was signing and it was basically saying yeah you understand the risks that that are involved
0: crazy yeah sounds like the voice this yeah. thing is so important. It needs to be constitutionally protected, but we'll decide how it works afterwards. Yeah. All right.
1: Uh, uh, do you uh, have it, anything else on anti, that? anti-Farnham. That's anti-Farnham. Like, <laughs> you're the voice Try and understand it,
0: not, yeah. not try and understand it. You know what? I Now that you've brought that up, I'm actually really upset because that is one of the greatest tracks of all time and it's yeah. been spoiled now absolute banger what a shame now when people go and search for the voice they won't get that song they'll get the australian voice department how disappointing all right let's move on do you want to do france next or do you want to do threads
1: let's go, let's go let's go france
0: let's go france okay uh we've been following this again not super closely like i said on that other clip during the week uh it's really really difficult to make heads or tails of what's coming out of france because we're not there we don't have boots on the ground we don't really understand uh, and get a feel for it. But I just wanted to throw something out there because of this is this is a gut feel take based on a few things I've seen recently. I get the feeling and to just give you a bit of a precursor to this, think about how much influence America and more specifically the Biden administration has had on the starting of and continuation of the Ukraine Russia war situation. They've had their fingerprints all over it right from the beginning. We said right from the start of the war, or even before it started on the podcast, that when there was all of the tension starting to amplify between Ukraine and Russia, instead of stepping in to try to stop it, the American government was flicking matches at Vladimir Putin. It's like they wanted to set this on fire. So with that in mind, I can't help but feel like the unrest currently being experienced in France has something to do with the United States trying to keep their hold on the world. And I know this might sound very far out there and, you know, this is, let's call this a conspiracy corner item, but this is what it's based on. Uh, Emmanuel Macron has been making a lot of uh, statements at various functions, various global functions over the last 12 months which sort of fly in the face of the U.S. government's control over the European Union. What am I talking about? Number one, uh, when it comes to the Ukraine-Russia war, France has said that they would, they, they've not given any support to Ukraine. They refused to. They didn't think that it was the right thing to do, so they opted out of that. Secondly, uh, Macron made a statement, I think it was maybe in April or something like that, or even beforehand about uh, America's uh, increasing tensions with China about Taiwan. And what he essentially said was that he wants the European Union to stop being vassals of the American regime and that they should not just blindly follow America into any conflict it chooses to start. And the way that he wants to see the world moving into the future is instead of with a bipolar a uh, global hierarchy where you've essentially got America and its allies on one side and China and its allies on the other side he saw it as a tripolar where you've got America, China and the European Union the European Union being its own separate superpower spearheaded by France so you can see now why I'm a little bit skeptical with all of this unrest which has kicked off all of a sudden in France the relatively minor mainstream media coverage of it, but there's also a lot of talk about how angry the people are at Macron. That's that's probably the, the number one... Well, there's two things that are coming out of uh, the mainstream media in regards to this story. Everyone hates Macron and some anti-Middle um, Eastern immigrant rhetoric. There's a lot of that too, which I think is just designed to inflame things and intentions a, a lot more. But the thing that really shines through to me is they're like, Macron's got to go, Macron's got to go, Macron's got to go. So I actually think, as much as we think the regime change operation is currently happening in Russia, I think this is a bit of a regime change op happening in France to get rid of Macron.
1: Well, there are... Which is interesting, because Macron's a big uh, World Economic Forum guy. So I'm wondering why that system would basically... uh, try and cut him out. But I would also say this there are some other signals that sort of fall into with what you're saying, which is Nord Stream. You know, the fact that the Nord Stream pipeline got taken out. But it appears <coughs> that it was America that took it out and what that and now that's for Germany to get gas from Russia and yep. now America is going to supply the gas to Germany.
0: Yep.
1: So uh,
0: And the European France, Union as well.
1: Yeah, France is a massive exporter of energy to to germany so they are one of the few countries in the world that has a surplus of energy because they have like 54 nuclear power facilities yep. they export about as much energy as they consume within within their country yep. so they are an economic superpower both germany and france are the two strongest economic superpowers within the european union now, I, I had said, I think the EU's gone. I think in 20 years' time, like within the next 20 years, I think the EU gets broken up and it yeah. goes back to, like, I don't think it's working. Uh, and, and it doesn't this appear to might be. be. Yeah, this might be signs of it cracking, like at least fracturing. And yeah. I've always thought that it seems unfair that Germany and, and uh, France are having to basically financially. Uh, carry the entire European Union. And like you said, they're not getting any of the perks. Now, you, you talked about the um, the migrant. Could be argued that the migrants and the, I think RFK talks about this a lot. The wars that are happening in the Middle East sponsored by the Americans are pushing the mi- waves of migrants to Europe yeah. and and putting stress. So it, it all kind of appears to be uh, US- attack on the eu
0: yeah in to a sort way of push them down yeah now I, I know the french did come out and essentially say that they'll take all the immigrants that they want i know that poland got really heavily criticized because they said not nah, we're taking none of you um and yeah I, but i i don't know well hearing a lot about that is just building that case against macron too like oh this is all macron's fault the immigration yeah, crisis that they're experiencing that
1: See, it's funny because all my algo sent me. It's the countries on the borders of Africa and the Middle East that are so the EU law for uh, migration is the first land point of the migrant is where they have to be domiciled. That's the EU agreement. Okay, so they all come in from one, like, there's only one or two countries that's basically on those borders. Sounds like a bad so deal for someone. <laughs> horrible deal. So I think it's cool that they can say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take them. Oh, but, oh, but they checked in there. All right, so yeah. you have to have them. That's the law. That's oh, the law. we'd love
0: to help, but uh, it's the rules. Yeah. Them's yeah, the rules. I mean, we
1: all made the rules. We're the European Union. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. All right. Let, uh, so yeah. we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Just, just listen for signals to see if there is a bit of a... Uh, uh again the wef thing i find interesting i i find it hard to believe that one of the big wef advocates gets kicked out of like gets taken off the table
0: yeah i think if i really think about it yes there's the wef and the wef has a lot of influence i still think that i think the u.s is happy to partner with the wef if the u.s is getting what it wants uh once the u.s realizes that it's not they will they'll step in and they'll do what what they want to do because mm. they still consider themselves the big dog
1: uh, let's go to threads
0: all right so meta has launched its twitter clone freds this week uh which essentially is just it, it's just a twitter it's literally a twitter clone it's attached to your instagram it is just text-based posting um I think uh, Elon has already announced he's going to sue Zuckerberg over it. I believe. Have yeah, yeah. It's, I
1: yep. just got a tweet about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But and he's actually suing. He's also suing. He's all. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. He's also suing the legal firm that tried to sue him about not being able to buy Twitter.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: Because. And something is somehow attached to this Threads thing. So basically saying, well, if you sued me for buying that, well, then you need to sue them because they're doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting. Um,
1: I haven't looked at it. I, I, I'm not getting another Meta uh,
0: no, uh, product. No, not. <clears throat> so here's, here's the first thought that I'm going to say on that. Number one, the VK Bros will not be uh, starting a Threads account because we don't need another social media to get blacklisted on. Number two... Uh, Zuckerberg said it was going to be a freedom of speech, uh, censorship-free place. On day one, they're already censoring people and operating secret blacklists in the background. Um, all the same, it's all the same characters, all the same right wingers. It only ever goes one way. When people try to follow someone who's right wing, it says, "Do you really want to follow this person?" And I even saw a notice. It says they have repeatedly posted misinformation on day one, on day one of threads. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the warning it gives up. How was
1: the post I sent you this morning? It was a funny parody of Biden. Like, it was clear parody. Clear par- yeah. pa- parody. It was a Biden responding to a Chris Hansen uh, to catch a predator yeah. thing. And it's like, in two completely different rooms, like, no one would think that that's the right thing. That's right. But it had a big red, like, this is out of context. Yeah. Um, Biden's not a... Uh, 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 he's not a sex offender. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, this video is fake.
0: This doesn't show that Biden's a sex offender. That was the word and I was
1: like, whoa, dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But I want to say too, massive, massive, incredible play by Zuckerberg on threads Mm. and the terms and conditions. Because... The biggest thing in Zuck's favor is he's got like three billion users of his social media platforms between Facebook, Instagram, etc. WhatsApp. WhatsApp. And what he's done is an absolute masterstroke. Tell everyone, hey, we've got this new thing coming out. It's going to be a uh, direct competitor to Twitter, but we've got three billion users. So there's going to be way more engagement on there. So come on over and sign up for Threads. And then all the celebrities who, you know, they want to make sure they're on the boat, jumped on and signed up on Threads straight away. And then people found out, shortly afterwards, that if you want to delete your Threads account, it's linked to your Instagram account, so you can only delete it if you delete Instagram as well. Wow. So all these people, these celebrities that have curated these Instagram audiences over a decade, now cannot delete their Threads account that they've signed up to, which, what does that do? That shows all of uh, Meta's shareholders, look how many users Threads already has. We've got 3 billion users on day one, and none of them are leaving the platform. Like, what a masterstroke by Zuck. What a masterstroke.
1: I can tell you the stock price jumped by, like, over $10 on that news.
0: That's pretty significant. Yeah, it's sort of coming
1: back. But, now, I... I have to apologize because I was supposed to, I've said it on the show that I was going to investigate Noster, the uh, decentralized social media thing. So I have done some more. I will set us up with an account. Yep. And um, basically to illustrate the difference between uh, normal social media and this. So yes, Elon is apparently censorship free, but he has censored some people. And Meta is like, wow, censoring. And, And, and if you had to think about the structure difference between what Nostra is and what these other things are, imagine putting all your data and and domiciling it in one central location and then feeding it out from there. That's what normal social media is. Therefore, it's very easy to, to apply bots to say, don't say this word or flag this or do that. Yeah. What Nostra is, is a decentralized version. So very much part of the crypto ethos where mm-hmm. I can basically dedicate my machine to be a relay for all the messages. So instead, when you send me a message, the message would go through my machine to some
0: Oh, I've just lost your audio. Oh, Alex has frozen on screen. So just bear with us for a sec, guys, while we uh, just overcome these brief technical difficulties.
1: Mine's not slow. Have you got me? Uh,
0: I've got you back now. I've got you back.
1: So you can set how many relays you want uh, to... Like, let, let's say you wanted to put a message out that you deemed as really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you might you might double the amount of relays oh, yeah. so that if something happened to your machine, it's out on multiple machines.
0: Yeah, interesting. Interesting. That's really good.
1: So I'll, I'll have a bit more of a play. I'll set us up on it. Uh, yep. Look, it, it's a bit of a gamble whether it's the future or not. I think that the, the, the structure is absolutely the future. Yep. And... Also, if there's any, like, really, really smart people out there that are listening to this show, and I know there are, I want someone to reach out to me and tell me what an internet service provider provides. That's another question that I've got. Because that's... The ISPs probably hold more power that no one talks about than any of these companies.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting question.
1: Right? So if if anyone knows anything, um, reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Because also, that's one of the things that I think no one's considering in the crypto space so even though all these crypto guys are building nodes all around the world for a decentralised internet the pathway to the internet is still run by ISPs
0: yeah they're still a gatekeeper
1: hmm so yeah
0: interesting point interesting yeah um, all I'm gonna briefly say on, on threads is uh, if people switch from Twitter to threads uh, Zuckerberg already has 80% of the social media landscape and one of the things that I railed about on last week's pod is about the fact that uh, a, a gigantic percentage of the inflation that we're currently experiencing in Australia is because there is zero competition in our business marketplace. Mm-hmm. Competition is inherently important. It is one of the bedrocks of the capital uh, capitalist system. You need competition. You need to give people options. So going and, and putting all of your eggs in Meta's basket no matter which meta product it is that you are uh, Mm. going to is a terrible idea for all of us Uh, I also I haven't I should have gotten something on this but I just want to briefly mention there was also a Supreme Court ruling handed down in the US this week about Mm. the government's an injunction I think yeah yeah so it, it essentially has made it illegal for the government to directly Uh, communicate with social media platforms in regards to censoring either posts or users so that's a massive step forward as far as freedom of speech goes and this is why america is so important right we we don't have real freedom of speech in australia we don't we rely on essentially the american constitution protecting freedom of speech Because they're our big brother and we generally do whatever they want to do. We have to rely on them. So the reason why we speak about the United States all the time is because what they do always trickles down to us.
1: And they actually have, to, to that point, they have constitutional rights that we don't have. Therefore, they have levers they can pull that we don't. That's right. And that's why they will sort of dictate our culture.
0: Yeah, and look, that ruling is the direct opposite of what our government's currently trying to bring in, where that uh, that new bill we spoke about last week, where mm-hmm. our government's trying to say, if social media companies don't do a good enough job in their opinion on removing mis- and disinformation or posts that cause harm, all these <laughs> extremely broad terms, uh, that they can find them hundreds of thousands of dollars per day. On that note, I will put a link in the show notes and I will put a link on our social media. Uh, the government is actually requesting submissions on that bill right now for the next 30 days. So you can actually go on as a citizen and you can put forth your thoughts on that bill. I actually did it last night. I essentially said that it's the exact same thing. I said that um, I believe that this bill is massive overreach by government in a, and it's something that in a democratic nation should never be approved. I think that uh, relying on the government to decide what is mis- and disinformation and what is truth inherently breeds corruption. And in a democratic society, we need to be able to have a free exchange of ideas so we collectively can decide how we are going to move forward or to figure things out together. And that's being able to censor opinions that the government of the day just doesn't like is the most anti-democratic thing that I can think of
1: you you're wording yours way better than i'm going to word mine which is you ain't my daddy
0: <laughs> well you can choose to make your um your submission anonymous so maybe make yours anonymous i i put my name on mine
1: so yeah. I'm like
0: they, they can call me if they want there's enough uh yeah. content about me on uh, online anyway i'm not hiding from anyone so yeah look this is one of those things Let, let's bring it back to the start of the podcast this is one of those opportunities you've got to decide whether or not do you stand up for yourself or do you submit You have an opportunity to stand up right now and I suggest you take it.
1: And on that note, thanks for joining us guys.
0: See you next week.